Good morning. It's good to be here with you today. My name is Tiffany Miller, and um, if you hadn't figured it out yet, I'm not from Ukraine. Um, I'm actually from Lebanon, Ohio. Um, but in 2008, I had the privilege as a Mission Corps volunteer to go um, to the orphanage where these children were from and live with them and work with them and just be a part of their family. And so it's such a blessing to have them here with me um, for these few weeks. It will be hard to say goodbye, but we thank you very much for having us here. Um, I just want to share with you a little bit about Ukraine itself. Um, and the situation there concerning orphans and children and how our work differs from what the government is doing. Um, for those of you who don't know, like I, I didn't know where Ukraine was when I first signed up in college to go on a mission trip there. I had no idea what I was signing up for. Um, I just went because it was the only one where I could work with children. Um, but it is in Eastern Europe. Ukraine actually means borderlands. And as you can see, its location is right between Russia and kind of the rest of the world. It is part of the former Soviet Union, or it was part of the former Soviet Union, and it's the largest of the Soviet states um, since it broke up. According to UNICEF, there are 810,000 orphan children in Ukraine. That's the latest statistic. However, there are undocumented children on the street um, and living on their own. And so we know that there are many more. It's estimated even up to a million um, in Ukraine. And we have to ask ourselves, why are there so many kids on the street um, and in orphanages in Ukraine? Um, part of the reason is because it's completely socially acceptable to leave your child on the doorstep. For many years um, this in the Soviet Union, the government took care of everything. They told you, you know, where you were going to be working, they took care of your education, they took care of your food. And then all of a sudden, overnight pretty much, it fell apart. And people were left with nowhere to go, they didn't know what to do, they hadn't been making choices for themselves, they were basically left hopeless. Many of the men, especially um, women too, turned to alcohol and drugs as a way to relieve the pain, as a way to deal with their everyday life. Um, and it has left Ukraine as one of the fastest growing countries for HIV and AIDS. It's number one outside of Africa, and it's 44th in the world when we look at it on the wide scope. With Ukraine having well over 810,000 orphans, only 10% are orphaned because they actually don't have parents. 90% of them are social orphans, which means they're in their position because their parents either do not want them, they don't want to take care of them, or because they're in prison or their parental rights have been taken away um, because of their lifestyle, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or prostitution. Of the children who go through the government orphanage system, 60% of the girls will end up in prostitution, and 70% of the boys will enter a life of crime. And when I look at that number, it just breaks my heart, because when I have to think about any of these kids that you just saw up there, having to face that. Sorry, my heart just breaks. Um, but they have little hope after leaving the orphanage. 
um, and 10% of them will commit suicide before their 18th birthday. Most of them leave between the age of 16 and 17, which means it's approximately one year after they leave. Um, basically, they're taken care of up until that point. The government system works like this. They start out in the hospital. A lot of them, mom doesn't want them. This particular child had um, AIDS. The mom didn't want him. She couldn't take care of him herself. She left him. He will go on to the baby orphanage till he's school age. They have basically leveled systems. Um, Three-year-olds are on one floor. Four-year-olds are on another. When I was visiting this orphanage where these two boys were, they basically got them out of the cribs once a day, herded them around the building, and then put them back in. And that was their exercise, that was their social time, um, and their interaction. And every one of them was calling me mommy. <laughs> After that, they go to usually a larger orphanage. This is a government orphanage. It had about 300 kids. Most orphanages of this size have their own school attached. Um, they do not, they're segregated from the rest of the population. Um, they're kind of seen as dirty, um, as unwanted. And since they're, they're basically paying for the sins of their parents, um, so they're not allowed to go to a regular public school. And once they come out of that school, which is usually ill-equipped compared to the regular schools, and no one's checking up on their homework, they go um, usually to a technical school. These girls were in a large city. Um, they came out of the orphanage, and they had two choices, whether or not they wanted to go into a sewing factory or whether they wanted to learn carpentry. So those are the two choices they faced. Um, and then they went in to a dorm. It was an apartment building. It had one floor that had been turned into dorm rooms. There were um, two to four in a room. The lady I was working with over there that has a the ministry there actually bought these girls a lock for their room because they didn't even have a lock on it. There were about 75 kids. They had one sink that they used to wash up and cleanse and stuff like that. She had put in a bathroom uh, like a full, for baths and stuff like that. Um, and they're pretty much unmonitored. There's not an adult there to take care of them, um, which leads to a lot of drug and alcohol abuse. Um, they leave everything when they leave the orphanage, generally because it's government property, so even the clothes and things. And they're given a small stipend of about 30 to $50, a, like a quarter or a season, um, usually a little more in the winter. But that's what they use to buy their clothes and take care of themselves. Um, but once again, they haven't been taught very many life skills like laundry or cooking in government orphanages everything is just this is the way it's done kind of like being in the army you turn in your laundry you go to the kitchen you eat what's there um, and you don't complain or else you don't eat um, and so these kids have little hope and this is the period when most of them commit suicide so we have to ask ourselves is there any hope and can anything really change and we at World Light Foundation believe that hope and change are not an option for us. Something has to change, even if it's slow, um, and it will take generations, and we have really seen that change. Um, this right here in the middle is the current children's home that we're using. Um, it's smaller than most American homes, um, and it holds anywhere, usually between 10 and 20 kids at a time, with one bathroom. Um, the separate house is the cookhouse, um, and that's where we currently are using, uh, that's the space we're currently using for our kids. We try to raise them in a Christ-loving environment. 
where we, they're part of their local church. We raise them as a family as much as possible. We do have caretakers that come in and out. Um, we have tutors to help the kids. And we've seen great success from this. Um, this is um, Sergey. He was a boy on the street. You can see him up here in the middle with Natalia feeding him when she lived in Odessa. He made the choice himself to come off the street. Um, he went through drug and alcohol rehabilitation, and then he went through somewhat of a social rehabilitation as he lived with Natalia in Odessa. Um, and he's currently married and has a job and is living on his own. We have Tolik up here, um, is one of the oldest boys that has been with us for about six years or so. He came to us after living on the streets with prostitutes um, and decided that he wanted a different life. And he finished school in about three years, um, working every day with tutors that we were able to hire and bring in and work with him um, and pass all his tests to go through grade school. Um, this is our little Kolya here. He's not with us either. He, um, he's a little spitfire, um, and I just love to see him smile. Um, but his story really is a miracle. His father brought him to us. Um, his mother had thrown him in a lake when he was only a baby to get rid of him. His father jumped in and saved him. Um, and a few months before his father knew he was going to die, he brought him and left him with us. Um, and thankfully now, Kolya is actually being in the process of being adopted um, by a Christian man in Germantown. And so hopefully soon he will be here in America with you. Um, but it's just an incredible thing to see how God has put his hand on the work there and changed our kids. Um, this down here is most of our kids. Um, and they all have a story, like Koya and Tolik and Sergey, where they came from, from despair and hopelessness and poverty. And um, through living in a family and through being taught God's word and a lot and a lot of prayer, um, their lives have changed, and now they're able to make different choices um, than most kids in their situation. The, the Ukrainian government has tried to implement foster care, and this has worked to a certain degree. A lot of families, unfortunately, are doing it more for money because you can take up to 10 kids including your own, and for each child you get a little more money. So it sounds like a good deal. Um, if you take in so many at one time, they'll even give you a new refrigerator. Um, they'll give you money to help do some remodeling on your house. Um, unfortunately, there's a lack of training still, and they're, they're working on that, but it's a slow process. Um, and so for now, this really is the best we can do, and our goal is to eventually transition into foster care homes in our future building. This is what we call the New Children's Center right now. Um, this is it when it was getting the roof on, and this is about what it looks like now. It's got new roof, new windows, and two of the four wings are almost finished. When, once that's completed, we will be able to take um, family units. It will be set up more like foster care. where We will have a parent, a mother, father in each wing with a certain number of children. Um, to kind of take care of just those kids so they feel more at home. Um, and so that is our biggest project really right now as far as moving forward and being able to take more kids because as you saw, our small house will not hold anymore. Um, so that leads me to what can you do to help? Um, we are always looking for partners, just people to pray and to be supportive. Um, and encouraging for our kids. Um, and prayer is a huge part of what we do 
um, in changing the lives of children. Um, also, bringing teams over to work on the building, or we have some donors who have send mo sent mon monetary donations so that the work can, can continue um, consistently to work on the building. Um, and Living Hope has also set up child sponsorship. It's something that people can do either through them or if a church is interested in really partnering, um, we can help them set up their own program. And um, they've got it set up where $20 a month will go to help um, pay the expenses of taking care of a child. Basically takes care of um, part of their education. We use it to hire tutors um, to help the kids stay up in school. A lot of them are behind when they come to us. Um, and need a little extra help, just like your kids might. Um, we use it um, for clothing. We, use as, we get as much clothing as we can out of humanitarian aid, but there are some things, especially things like shoes, that it's hard sometimes to match the sizes and make sure they're in somewhat current trends. Because um, for us, it's important for them to be as normal as possible in school, because we do have them in public school, and we want them to be part of their culture and part of their school and not be made fun of any more than they already are. Um, so it goes for that. Um, it goes for upkeep of the home and the money for um, like heat and electric and all the other um, things that keep the house running. And that's where the child sponsorship goes. And then we also take um, expedition teams or wit work and witness teams um, come to us and work directly on the building and work with us. Um, and it's just a wonderful time of just learning about Ukraine and being there. They have a saying, you know, you can look at a thousand pic pictures, but to experience it once will take care of, you know, is more than even looking at a thousand pictures. And it truly is um, just the love and the heart of Ukraine. Um, we can give them a lot of um, things and gifts that help do the ministry, um, but they also can give us a heart of worship um, that is sometimes hard to find here in America because it's so easy for us in our life. Um, so we invite you to come um, and be um, a part of our team in helping God's children um, who are living on the street um, and who are abandoned. Thank you. Before we give Natalia an opportunity to, to speak to us, I, I wanted you to hear from one of the children. And um, uh, Nella is um, staying in her time here in the States with Pastor uh, Chad from Living Hope. And he has told me of his good relationship that he has with Nella even uh, before they came over here and how. Um, when he went over and worked a witness over there. And Chad told me a story of uh, Nella saying to him that, uh, and she calls him dad, and says, Dad, not only do I have, I have two fathers. Not only do I have my heavenly father, I have you as well. And, and Nella has asked uh, Chad to come whenever that day will come to walk her down the aisle whenever she chooses to be able to, uh, to get married and Chad, uh, knowing Chad will definitely do that. So I just wanted you to come forward, Nella, and Natasha will uh, interpret just a little bit. And I just wanted to hear from one of the children. Can you come forward? Um, 
Nella, tell us uh, how your time in the United States has been. Nella, расскажи, пожалуйста, как твое время в Америке до сих пор. Ну, время в Америке началось дуже радостно и продолжается. Дуже шкода, что закінчується. It's been a wonderful time to be here. I've had a lot of fun uh, things that we've done, and unfortunately, it's coming to an end too fast. <laughs> too fast. Um, Nella, tell us a little bit about life in the children's center. What do you like especially Nelly, about life in the children's center? I came to the children's center seven years ago. And I currently live there. I have a big family and I love them all. I have a mom, the director of the Children's Center, our guardian, Lyubov Anatolyevna. A lot of brothers and sisters. I go to school. I love to sing. And to praise the Lord. Nella, tell us, um, how did you come to the Children's Center? Расскажи, пожалуйста, как ты пришла в детский центр, если ты можешь вкратце рассказать историю свою. Я проживала в селе. I lived in a different village. В моей кровной маме. With my birth mother. Вона вела дуже поганий спосіб життя. She lived a very bad lifestyle. She had a lot of dependency issues. And um, the director of the school that I attended at that time knew this. And through her, um, the social workers found out about the situation and uh, referred me to the children's center. And when I arrived there, I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. And I understood that there were kind people in the world. Because now I have a big family. And there are people who can love a child that's not their own. Um, one more question. Um, what has it meant to you uh, to be able to have um, a sponsor at Living Hope that has been able to write you letters and you've been able to know? Что тебе это значит? Как это тебе или важно или не важно, что у тебя есть какой-то спонсор, как постричал, что он пишет тебе фотографии, есть такой, что это тебе лично значит? Какая поддержка это или? It means that, there, that I know that there are some people who don't forget about me, who love me, and who are praying for me. And I, I'm able to speak to them at times through Skype and um, hear from them, and it means a lot. That's great. Um, I know she was very nervous to be able to come up here. So let's thank her for coming up
Natalia Scala is in April, will be an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene, has uh, uh, planted churches uh, in the Ukraine, and has also got this children's center off the ground. And so uh, we wanted her to come and share just a little bit from God's word and what God has laid upon her heart. Natalia. It's very different. <laughs> um, actually, I spoke in many countries and shared the word of God so many times, and only one pastor told me what to do. <laughs> it's Pastor Mark. <laughs> no, actually, it was good. And the reason why it was so good because usually when um, I know that I need to preach, I pray and uh, I ask that Holy Spirit would just use me and speak through me. And at least a week before, I know uh, what I will speak about. I know what God is going to speak to us all, to me and to you. But this experience is the first time. I pray and I say, Lord, I have no clue what you will do because nobody ever asked our kids to give testimony. As a matter of fact, our children every Sunday are giving testimony. Um, two years ago, at the Children's Center, we started church. We already had Nazarene Church, which my family started 10 years ago in this town, Vapnyarka. But kids grew up and we understood that just to sit in a church, just to be members of the church, it's not enough. We need to be involved and involved so much that they will feel as Nella share with you I have big family, my brothers and my sisters. I have my mother. And in church, the same way. We have so many brothers and sisters. And usually pastor is our big daddy. <laughs> but kids grew up and they wanted something more, something big. So, one day, Lord just opened the door, spoke to uh, Luba, director of the children's center, that it will be awesome to start new church at the children's center. So, we start to fellowship in our old building, small building in living room. Pretty soon, our neighbors heard and start to come. And pretty soon... Our living room was filled with people and it was very uncomfortable, smelly very often. <laughs> and so uh, we decided, it was very cold Christmas time, we did big celebration in New Children's Center, not finished, but we had big room where we can have our meetings. So our first meeting was Christmas and it was just so normal to continue that. And uh, we have here Bertha and Ben from Living Hope. They were 
last year, there before our Ukrainian Christmas, in Ukraine it's 7th of January, by the old calendar. And so they brought lots of gifts from United States, and we put Christmas tree, and kids had such an awesome celebration. But the main thing is that children from town, they saw happiness, they saw different life, and our kids start to reach them and bring. And so last summer when Living Hope came as a witness working team, and Bertha was our clown, she did such an awesome job without speaking Ukrainian, just walk on the streets in her clown um, uniform, I should say. <laughs> uh, many kids saw, and they wanted to come. So for a vocational Bible school, we had 62 kids. And it was awesome. Uh, it's absolutely Jesus. Uh, so God is working. And even on the way to the church, I was praying only one thing. Lord, please speak to us. And if some among you uh, like to watch people as I do, I, especially when I see foreigners, I like to watch how they walk, how they talk, how they live. <laughs> you may see, you may saw that I was writing something in my notebook while we were worshiping Jesus. And uh, what I was writing, it was so special to me because Holy Spirit was pointing few things on the songs. I had only one note prepared for today. And it's uh, actually not my words, but John Wesley. How many know who was John Wesley? Hallelujah, I'm among Nazarenes. It's very difficult to speak uh, among people who don't know him or maybe heard a little bit uh, because they are in awe. Why I quote so much often John Wesley. Once he said, you have nothing to do but save souls. Therefore, spend and be spent in this work. And go always, not only to those that, that want you, but to those they want you most, observe. It is not your business to preach so many times and to take care of, of this or that society, but to save as many souls as you can, to bring as many sinners as you possibly can to repentance, and with all your power, to build them up in that holiness without which they cannot see the Lord. Wow. You go only for one reason. To Vapnyarka, to Children's Center, or to Turkey, as pastors say, or any place on the world. Centenary, Xenia, Germantown, wherever where God sent you, just with one reason, to save souls and bring them to holiness. But on the way when you will go there, Lord is speaking, 
through John. It will be not easy because you need to spend and you need to be spent. And today we sang the song. And I said, wow, Lord, you are calling us to the cross. Saints, how many times Paul was on the cross? He said, they beat me to death. I was on the bottom of the sea. What did Paul do? He was going to reach. He was spending and spent. Absolutely everything what he had and even himself to the end, to death. John Wesley said, holiness is love which pushes out sin from with, within our hearts. We are people of holiness. We are holy churches. At least we account as a Nazarenes, isn't it? And what main thing we need to have desire for? Definitely to be holy people, if we call ourselves. And what John is saying to us, love, love sins, pushing sins from our hearts. Love is holiness. Love which take care, taking care of our hearts and will bring us to the end of the world. I want to say something very different today. I don't know why, but this is what God is pressing me. Please don't go. Don't go. Don't even try. If you don't have love in your heart to love your neighbor, to love your pastor, I don't care how he is preaching, how is he te teaching, how he has friendship with you or doesn't have friendship with you because I know he's a godly man. I had only one fellowship, very short fellowship with him. And everything what he was saying, it was everything what God is teaching me for many, many years. So if you have not oneness here, you cannot bring there anything. So God is teaching us here to go on the cross. Here in the United States where we have everything. And when we eat something. And we will not ask our neighbor. Knowing that this neighbor doesn't have what we have. You don't need to go to Ukraine. You need to learn how to share what you are eating with your neighbor here in the United States. You need to go on the cross here to get life there. Because scripture says, Romans 5.10, By his death we were reconciled with Father by death of Jesus Christ. But much more by his life we will be saved every day, saints. Every day we will be saved. We can look on the orphans and we can cry. 
It's so normal for us because we are human beings. God made us with good soul. But if you feel that you are soulish Christian, please pray a lot. Go on the cross every day and become spiritual one. Because God doesn't want soulish and fleshly. He wants only spiritual. Those one who are one in him. Look what Paul is speaking and if brothers will show to us on the screen, it's Second Corinthians chapter 4. But we have this treasure in jar of clay to show that this all-suppressing power is from God and not from us. You know, I can stand in front of you and share so much of children. I can tell you about each of them, stories which will make you cry, not only today, but all the time when you will remember them. You know, each of us can punch buttons of soul. But when we know who lives in us, that never ever we will do this kind of manipulations. Never, saints, we need to be so honest with each other and with God. Then Lord will start to speak to us and then Lord will take our hand and he will say, come with me. Paul is saying, we are, are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. We went through so much living in Ukraine as Paul, absolutely. The last thing was like, Lord put his thumb over my family. Our daughter, who was almost 17, died in a car accident. We were persecuted, but not ab abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Saints, are we ready for that? Jesus is speaking to us today. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And it's not in Ukraine when we go as a witness working team. It's here. It's every day. It's every day when your husband is pushing on your buttons or you push on husband's special buttons. Or your child is doing something what absolutely not fitting in your understanding. But for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Saints, how can be Jesus and Natalia together? It will be always somebody more. And often, Natalia will be more than Jesus, if it's two. But when Natalia dies, then Jesus is absolutely free to live through her. Lord is calling us today for something much more than just mission in Ukraine. Lord is calling us, Church of Holiness, Nazarenes, today to call upon his name 
and ask him what I can do, Jesus, right now, today, for my church, for my neighbor, for my town. How I can die that you will prove for me I am able to go there. Because you don't know language, you don't know culture. Can you imagine two people who absolutely act differently, absolutely live differently? And what you will do when you want to cry and they will be smiling or dancing? You need to die. And then you will dance with them. You know, culture in Ukraine, uh, most of people sing and dance. Their life is very hard. But Christians don't dance to forget how hard is life, how hard is their life. Christians dance because they rejoice in Jesus. Our kids sing and dance because they are happy in the Lord. Are we happy, saints? Are we happy because we have so many cars and houses and things? Are we happy? Can we stand and dance for Jesus? Can we sing for Jesus from bottom of our heart and forget everything what we have or we don't have? Paul was able. He told I can live in poverty, I can live in wealth. Today God is speaking to us very, very seriously. And we uh, sang this beautiful song. And Lord, He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save saints. He doesn't need that Natalia will go to Ukraine. Ten years ago, he didn't need shoemaker from England to go to India with his two boys and wife and in the second year lose his oldest son and wife got crazy and through all her life wanted to kill him, William Corey, who became the pioneer in India, missionary. Look what happened. Millions of people came to Lord. I humble myself before God. And I am not worthy to say, Lord, may so many souls will be saved through our little children's center. But I have hope in Him. And I am saying maybe one of them will be through your prayers, through your encouragement. One, William Carey. Or... John Wesley, or Apostle Paul, or Peter, or Moses. Who could do that? You can do that in Jesus. If you die today, tomorrow you can go to Ukraine. But only if you will be in Jesus. So thank you, Lord, for encouraging us and calling us to make all things beautiful through him, in him, and for him. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord.
just heard someone who's deeply invested in this children's center says, don't come. And um, unless you're spiritually ready to be able to do that, don't come. Um, she mentioned John Wesley. John Wesley came as a missionary to Georgia from England, came as a missionary to, to Georgia to save the Indians. And as he left, a miserable failure to go back to England, he says, I came to save the Indians, but who will save me? I don't know how we want to be involved in this, but I would very much like you to pay attention to the sponsorship cards that are on the display out there. $20 a month sponsors a kid. And it's not just writing a check for $20 a month. It's, it's committing to correspond with the child. It's committing to start a relationship with the child. Because then if we do choose to go work and witness, it's so much better work and witness when we're already in relationship with the people that we're trying to minister to. So I'd like for you to prayerfully consider that. I'd like the ushers to also be able to stand at the doors. And when we dismiss, I'd like uh, for you to be able to give an offering that can be used to finish the kitchen in the new children's center to build a fence that the government wants to put around that to be able to complete the fireplace that they will use for warmth. There are many needs over there. But I would like for our ushers to be prepared to be able to receive that as we leave today. Can we stand together, please? Father, we thank you for the ministry that we have received today. We thank you that um, we have become aware of many things in this world that we can't even imagine exist. And now it's in our hands to see what role we can play. We can't save every children in the world. We can't save every children in Ukraine. But I, I, I do believe, Father, you would have us play a role in that. Help us to be Christians that are global Christians, that realize that you are a big God working in many, many places. Help us today as we go this afternoon to search and rescue and as we try to be able to minister to children right here in this area. Father, we can't do it all, but we can do something. And so, Lord, would you work on our hearts now over these next weeks and months as we pray and think and strategize on what can we do to help these children in the Ukraine. These gifts that uh, will be given now Lord, we pray that you take them and multiply them, use them for however you see fit in that children's center. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much. You are dismissed.